Father God, we love you so much and we exalt you. You are sovereign over our lives first and foremost. We choose you today, God. And then we make you sovereign over our families, our businesses, and everything we touch. Father God, as I enter a time of preaching, help me dig out what you've put inside of me. I want to say something tonight that edifies and uplifts, but ultimately brings more glory to you. Amen. All right. Hey guys, thank you for worship. Um, I don't know how you felt, but as I as I sat under their worship tonight and their ministry, these guys didn't just play chords and sing words. These guys poured themselves out as an offering tonight. And, and I can just tell that it ain't about words and songs for you guys. It, it's, about, it's about helping us enter the throne room of grace. And, and we did. And I'm super grateful that you would give up your Friday night and come down here and, and come and help us. So can we thank Joel and Sam? Bless you guys. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, uh, this is going to be fun tonight because this is, not, this is not my normal world, right? You know, like, I, I, I'm way more comfortable five hours ago, right? Give me the suit and tie and, and, and the business stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm happy. But when the Lord says you're going to do church and you can't abdicate the preaching, I get a little bit uncomfortable because my first thought was I'll just find a preacher in every city, one of my friends, and get them up here. They can come and do one of those slick jobs of the three things and the rap. No, God's like, no, you're going to do it, son. So, so, you, so you're stuck with me tonight. So understand, I've, I've never done Bible college. I've never sat through preaching training. Um, I, 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 just, I just want to see people have an encounter with God. And, and, and I, just, I just love the fact that I can run a business event and then put church in the middle. You know, and, and people turn up and, and have encounters. So, so let's have a crack at getting this out. <clears throat> Tonight's message, if you want a title, is The Power of Words. So it's not going to be one of these deep theological dives where we tear into, you know, how Revelation relates to Ephesians 6 and Colossians 9. Like, like we can do that another day if you want. This is just... Uh, a message based on something that I see across the body and the people that I get to encounter who are doing something that's detrimental to both them and therefore the kingdom. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the power of words. And in essence, I want to build a case and highlight an area of our lives that I think often we do poorly and, and give us some tools on how to do it better. That's, that's ultimately what, what this is about. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about words and the importance of words. Um, in fact, the whole Bible starts with, in the beginning, God spoke. He said, let there be light. And he went on to say a lot more things in the formation of the earth. God told Moses to speak his commandments to the people of Israel. Ezekiel, the prophet, had a vision where he spoke to the bones in the valley and they came together with flesh and sinew. Solomon reminds us that the tongue of the wise 
brings health. David speaks before the whole assembly on the provision of God. Peter speaks boldly to the crowd on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Paul tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is with us, we will be saved. And that's just a few examples of where scripture tells us that words are kind of important. But we live in a world where we just say whatever. Because there's hardly any consequences to whatever because everybody's just kind of saying whatever. And there ain't a lot of thinking going behind what's coming out of our mouth. And I want to challenge that. I'll tell you a bit of a story. Back in 2015, some of you might be able to relate to this. I was just, I was flat. Just generally in life. I was Miserable is probably a better word. And, and it was just a period of my life where there was actually nothing wrong. If you looked at my life from, from the outside, you would have seen a profitable business that was growing. You would have seen you know, a, a great family. You would have seen a whole bunch of good stuff. But there was something about that period of time that for me, I was just like, nah, couldn't care less. I would still went through all the motions. I still did everything I needed to do. We still held summits. We still did our trainings. We still, we still, we still. But in my quiet time, I was just like, that's all I had. And it culminated, actually. And ironically, I was on a beautiful family ski trip in Queenstown, New Zealand, which is something that we typically do most years. And everyone had gone to bed, and I'm in the couch in our, in our little ski lodge, and I'm just like, this is rubbish. I'm miserable, blah, 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 blah. God says to me in that moment, he goes, hey, I want you to think about the words that are coming out of your mouth. My first thought, well, that's a stupid idea. (laughs) Oh, like that, you mean. (laughs) And then I went on for a period of time to think about what I say. (laughs) And I realized, actually, that in that period of my life, nearly every sentence contained can't, won't, don't. Never. And I'm like, really? Am I, am I prophesying my own future here? And, and, and I went about fixing it because it was, it was quite confronting, actually, for me to see how far I had slidden in what came out of my mouth. And, uh, and so I said to the Lord, okay, I'm going I'm to change that and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be intentional about speaking life and speaking encouragement and using words that actually help me get out of this little funk that I'm in. And of course, I can't put it down to just that one thing. I can't. But as I went to change my language and my words, my worldview changed. And I started to see the good things around me and, and all these sort of things. And it reframed me. And, 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 I, and I pulled myself out of that place. Now, it, you know, it wasn't depression. I, I praise God. I've been fortunate enough not to have depression. I know it's a real thing. But that wasn't what that was. That was in fact, I would even go so far as to say... Um, that I think it, you can be depressed without having depression. So I was just a little bit blue, if you, wanted a, if you wanted a word, in that period of time. And I started to change what I said. I tell you what, I've got a loving God who's so interested in me that he would actually visit me in New Zealand in the middle of the night and tell me, hey, kid, I, 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 got, some, I got some stuff for you. Think about what you're saying. Wouldn't we do that to our kids if we heard them changing their language? Oh, man, we've got such a good dad that he would come and visit me and help me with that. And it, and it, and it started to lift me off in, into a brighter future. 
And of course, we all go through that. In fact, I would like to take a minute and give you permission to go through a bad period of time. We live in a world that's full of pressure. And we're trying to build a business. And some of you are building a business and you're at the church and you're helping out here and, 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 and life at home may be not pretty and demands are real. I just want you to know that if you're having a hard time, it's okay, actually. It's okay. It's not okay to stay there, but it's okay to be there for now. And just don't beat yourself up. Because a lot, I think a, a, lot of, a lot of what we do in those moments is we look to the people to the left and we compare ourselves, and that only compounds the problem because we only see the highlight reel of somebody else's life and we compare it to ours and it makes us feel worse. Let me tell you, you're probably doing a better job than you realize when you're in those periods of time. So that's my story. <clears throat> and, and, and that's why this is important for me. And I hear a lot of people that aren't using necessarily great language as they go about their business. It's, it's like this, right, if you think about it. Let, let's say there was a salesman. Use a, let's use a business context to bring it back to reality. Business, right? There's a salesman that has to go and pitch their services to, to clients, prospects. You can imagine, you know, like they go to their 9 o'clock meeting and they pitch and they, and they give it their very best and the prospect says, no thanks, not interested. Then they go out of there and they drive across town and they go to their 10 o'clock meeting and they, and they go into that meeting and they pitch and that one says, no, nah, I'm not interested. And then they go to the 11 o'clock meeting and they pitch and they do a good job and that person says, I'm not interested. What starts to happen to the language coming out of the salesman? Can't do this. Everyone's against me. Should have given up. Started a church. Took the easy road. All that jazz, right? And then before you know it, not only are they saying that, but their shoulders go from their 9 o'clock meeting, I'm going to tear the world apart, to 11 o'clock, this is stupid. And then they walk into their 12 o'clock meeting after three failed attempts, and they basically walk in there and go, you don't want it, do you? No, I didn't think so, see ya. And that's the end of it. So you, 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 can't, you can't let the world change the way you talk. You can't let circumstance change the way you talk as much as it wants to. You, you, it, you've got to guard your words. No one, ain't, no one else is going to guard them for you. And, and it will change the way you see life. I, you know, if you think about it this way, right? Um, do you remember when you got saved? Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember that period of time? Is anybody saved in this place? <laughs> Far out. Sydney. Remember when you got saved? It was like this. It, it, it was like you woke up in the morning. You're like, oh, I smell the flowers and the beautiful birds. And can you feel the breeze on your skin? Oh, this is beautiful. And you're blessed and I'm blessed. And this is, this is a gorgeous time of my life. And oh, there's an ant. Don't stand on it because God made it. And, you know, like, like that. Now, fast forward. A few years. Ah, stinking church. I don't like that hill song. That hill song. I don't like that hill song. I don't like that C3 mob there. No bloody good. Oh, I don't like the carpet in this place. Oh, that the church is letting themselves down. They don't even take a stance. What changed? Yeah. I wonder what... I mean, I understand maturing in the faith, but that's not it. Right? That's becoming a crusty old person in the faith. Can you imagine if your wisdom and your knowledge grew and matured, but your language stayed the same? You'd be unstoppable. All right? The very soft nature that you build when you come to Christ changes your language, and then we just put these calluses around our heart over time, and they change the way we talk. And you need to check yourself. 
Because as much as you put down somebody else and drag this person down and say this stuff, although you're saying it about somebody else, you're conditioning yourself. And you're saying can't, won't, don't, never. You are just, you are just pulling things down. And let me tell you, and I used Hillsong and C3 as an example because Hillsong used this room on a Sunday three times. What a blessing to be able to walk in here. Let me tell you, I don't even know the people that run this church, but they installed all this, and, and the agreement was that anybody that wants to rent it can use it. Wow. I'm profiting. I'm, I'm benefiting. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you, wanna, you can pull them down all you like, but you won't catch me doing it, wow. right? Just because. There's enough negativity in my life dealing with my clients. I'm not going to say any more, all right? I'm just not going to make it up as I go along. So I want, to, I want us to have a, a think about this. Now, by the way, when I, when I say people are like that and they go from this beautiful, kind, upbeat language when they get saved to crusty later on, it, it, it's not you guys. I'm talking about those humans. <laughs> it's just humans, all right? I, I mentioned earlier this morning about them Israelites, didn't I? Well, they were brilliant at this, right? They were on the roller coaster of words as they went through their journey, right? They, 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 they come out and, and God says to them, guys, we're going on a journey. I'm taking you to a land of milk and honey, right? Guys, I've got a promise for you. We're going to go to somewhere that's absolutely amazing, but we've got to take a bit of a journey to get there. And what do we see? We see nothing but bleating and complaining from this group of people. We, we, we see the highs. Oh, God, I'm with you. You're amazing. I can't believe we serve the most amazing God. Five minutes later. Ah, oh, stinking God. You're a da -da -da -da. Then we get, oh, we're going to build a golden calf. Oh, we love God because he dealt with it. Oh, and then we just go on this journey, right? And, and, and the Israelites, man, their words weren't super. I've got a couple of examples for you i got a couple of examples. So in Exodus, oh man, they, it says this in Exodus 14, uh, 11. Then they said to Moses, so they being the Israelites, because there were no, this is one of my favorites, because there were no graves in Egypt, you took us all the way out here to die? I mean, what a mocking group of people. God's like, hang on, I've got a promised land for you. And all you can think about is the misery that you're facing today. And, and it, I, mean, I mean, what an amazing group of people. They've seen a, a pillar of cloud, right? They've seen, they've seen food provision. They've seen water provision. They've seen safety. They've seen, they've, seen, they've seen it all so far. And yet, here they are going, oh, this is difficult. Why did, is, is, were there no room for a grave in Egypt? Another one, which is another bit later, which I won't say, is when they went, huh, you brought us out here to starve? At least there were fish in Egypt, is what they said. And God, being the compassionate God that he is, go, no, no, I understand. How about this? I'll provide you food and drink every day. And then they bleated about that because it was boring. What about this one, right? So this, this is a little bit later. So they sent some spies over to Canaan. <laughs> all the congregation lift up their voice and cry, and all the people wept that night. 
And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we'd died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us out of the land to fall by the sword, and our wives and children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. It sounds a lot like, oh, this business thing's really hard. Oh, this customer thing is really, this Facebook ads are really, I, I should have just gone back and stuck to my job that I had. I wish I could go back and get that job. That job was much easier. When an entrepreneur says, I wish I could go back and have my job, it's exactly the same as an Israelite that says, I want to go back to Egypt. You left it for a reason. But you forget. The grass ain't greener back where you left. The grass is greener where you choose to water it. So stay there and change the way you operate. You, you don't want to be like the Israelites and start cursing your own future because it will only cause you to want to go back. And you're not meant to go back. You're meant to go from glory to glory. There are also some warnings in Scripture about when we don't use our words well, and I'll cover some of those as well. Proverbs 18.21 reminds us that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Listen, I'll tell you what's interesting. It doesn't say that there's a third option. It doesn't say death and nothing and life are in the power of the tongue. That means that everything you say must fall in one of those two categories. You are either speaking life or speaking death. James reminds us in 126 that if anyone among you thinks he is religious, now James would have something to say because this is Jesus' brother, right? And if you read the book of James, you can't not give yourself an uppercut because it holds us to a high account. James says, if anyone among you thinks he's religious, but he does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart and his religion is useless. If you don't bridle your tongue, you will deceive your own heart. Matthew 12, 36 says, On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. See, I think that for me, that meeting is going to be a long meeting. (laughs) All the Amway consultants are going to be there watching out going, I've been waiting for this. You have the ability to speak life and speak death over yourself. And like James says, if you you don't bridle your tongue, it corrupts your heart. So how many of you, by a show of hands, believe that you can hear a good sermon and it'll change your life? Has anybody ever heard a good sermon and it changed their life? Yeah, good. See, here's the problem. Many of you guys have been preaching to yourself every day for the last 10 years. It just may not be something that's helping you move forward. What are you preaching to yourself? Do you need to bridle your tongue so you don't deceive your heart? What are you preaching to yourself when no one's listening? What are you preaching to yourself during the day when when no no one's around? 
What are you preaching to yourself? You're either preaching life or death to yourself. Listen, there's a world out there that wants to preach death to you. There's an enemy that wants to preach death to you. The last thing you need to do is do it as well. What are you preaching? You go to Sunday for a sermon, that's great, but that's one hour out of 168. You're preaching to yourself the other 167. You have the ability to undo whatever the best preacher in the world says for one hour. Getting it? So I want to bring another element into the conversation and I want to talk about joy. And it might seem crazy to bring another element, but I think they're intrinsically linked. So what is joy? Joy is not a feeling, right? It's not a feeling. Joy is a decision and it is a choice. It is a response to an event. When you chose Christ, you chose joy. But I would say to you that joy is attached to outcomes and not attached to circumstance. It can't be attached to circumstance because otherwise you would have circumstantial joy. And if you have circumstantial joy in 2020, you won't have a lot of joy because life is hard. It cannot be attached to what you're going through. It must be attached to what's on the other side of what you're going through. If you want an example of this, you'd have to go to Jesus who says, for the For the joy set before me, I endure the cross. That's a pretty big thing to have to endure. Some of you are like, oh, I have to endure Instagram ads. That's got to be better than enduring the cross. But Jesus' perspective is, I can have joy because I know what's after the cross. Right? You need to have joy because you know what's after what you're going through. If your joy is robbed by circumstance, the enemy has got a hot button. Every time he brings tragedy your way, you lose your joy. When you lose your joy, you ain't attractive to anybody around you. You've got to learn to keep the joy in spite of circumstance. James says, consider it joy, brothers and sisters, when you go through trials. Really, James? Did you have to say that? Consider it pure joy when you go through trials because the outcome is it produces perseverance. It's not about the circumstance. It's about the outcome. Psalms 35 says, Weeping may stay at night, but joy comes in the morning. You can have joy because you can live with the weeping at night knowing that joy comes in the morning. Your joy is attached to outcomes. And not circumstance. Amen. Your joy is not, is not circumstantial. And if you want to see a picture of joy, then you would look no further than Paul and Silas in prison. Falsely accused, beaten, lied about, spat on, thrown in prison. And what do we see from those two? Singing. Wow. Singing. See, Paul had actual things to be concerned about. Paul had actual problems. Not like, oh, the traffic was bad. Oh, can't believe I didn't get the last little bit of sandwich with the mayo. Oh, can't believe that I went to buy the lettuce and it's an extra 30 cents. Like, Paul had things 
that were real. And yet his response? Singing. Just to give you a bit of perspective. Why? Because Paul knew the outcome. Paul knew that he was going to take the gospel to Caesar and it was going to bring down the Roman Empire and that was good enough for him to endure whatever he went through. So for a group of Holy Ghost, passion-filled Jesus freaks, I'm surprised that you're not on your feet by now, hooping and cheering. Come on, let's get on our feet. We're going to bring this thing home. Jump to your feet. It's time for you to bring some energy to the table. It can't just be me that does this. Guys, guys, what's coming out of your mouth? What are your words? You choose them. You, if, you're, if you've got joy in here and you've got joy of the Lord, it can't not come out of your mouth. When the joy of the Lord is your strength, everything you say will be laced with joy. You get to choose. You get to choose. What are you confessing? What are you preaching? Because if it's death, you suffer. If it's life, you benefit, and so does everybody else that you come into contact with. You get to choose what comes out of your mouth. But you've got to put it in you before it can ever come out. Do you find yourself walking around going, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life? Do you walk around going, surely height nor depth, left nor right, angel or demon can separate me from the love of God? Do you find yourself saying, ain't nobody going to come against me because greater is in me than he that's in the world? Is that the kind of stuff you're saying? Is, are you saying he is my ever-present help in the time of need? Is that the stuff you're saying? Are you saying today is the day that the Lord has made? Are you saying that I will run and not grow weary? What are you saying? You need to change what's coming out of your mouth because it's attractive to you and it's attractive to everybody else when it's laced with joy and it's laced with positivity. You get to choose. Guys, I want to do something for the next two minutes. And this is going to be hard for you because you're business people and you're hard-nosed. But the irony is we're all in here because we all want to grow. For the next two minutes, in your seat, like a loud, Holy Ghost-filled chandelier, swinging Pentecostal or whatever you are, I want you to start to speak out the promises that you know about. And we're all going to get up in this place and we're all going to get noisy. For the next two minutes, let's go. Speak it out, Sydney. Don't play small, Sydney.
Well, guys, that's called practice. That's called practice, what we just did. Now you need to go and find your own little space in your own world and get good at that. Because life wants to throw stuff at you and change the way you speak, but you need the discipline to draw on what's inside of you to start speaking better words. So I want to enter a time of ministry, and this is how this is going to look. If I've said something tonight and you're like, you know what? I don't have that level of joy. You know what? You know what? I don't speak as much life as I used to. You know what? There's a little bit of death coming out of my mouth. Listen, don't don't leave like that. Because right here, right now is a God who can start to go on that journey with you and transform it so that you do speak life and you do walk with a whole new level of joy. Now, as business people, you think that you have to have it together. And it's hard for a business person to say, you know what, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to go down the front and get ministry. Listen, we're all in the same boat. No, the person that you're left, that you're worried about what they're thinking, they're thinking about what you're thinking. And in fact, the fact that you might say, I'm going to go down the front and get ministry may actually spur them on and give them the boldness to go and get some ministry, but they didn't have it in them in the first place. And your leadership may start something for them. So guys, we're going to have a time of ministry. If you want my team to pray with you, then come forward, please. Come down here, guys. We're going to have a time of ministry.